This morning, uh, we're going to be continuing on in our series, uh, The Best Laid Plants. Uh, and this series is uh, taking a look at uh, the sovereignty of God and our need to kind of submit to, to His plan. He is uh, the creator of all things. He pri- provides salvation uh, for us, uh, as well as the plan for the end when Jesus comes back and sin and death are conquered once and for all. Um, and and all of this is part of His uh amazing, grace-filled, merciful, loving rescue plan uh, that started as Jesus came down for us Uh, in order to rescue us from uh, the course that mankind's been on since Adam and Eve first fell into temptation um, where they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, wanting to make the decisions for themselves wanting to be able to decide for themselves what is right, what is wrong, and, and kind of direct the course of their own life. And we get the phrase, the best laid plans of mice and men, uh, but then what do they compare to the plans of God? This is something that we've always been struggling with as humanity, trying to establish our own sense of identity. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning uh, as we head into Scripture. We're going to uh, start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but we're going to have a number of different verses. Uh, follow along in your Bibles, otherwise we'll have the verses on the screens as well. Uh, but first, let's pray. Father, we come before you. Uh, we thank you for your holy word. And we thank you that it's alive and active. Uh, We thank you for the gift uh, of your son and his sacrifice for us, for the redemption, uh, the forgiveness of our sins, and the hope of a new life in you anchored in heaven and not of this world. Lord, I pray that as we look at the truth that you revealed to us uh, in Scripture today, uh, that it would be something that establishes who we are and not the things of the world. I pray that you would uh, guide my words to point to Christ, that he would be glorified, uh, that we would humble ourselves before him. Uh, If there's anything I should not say, that it would fall upon deaf ears uh, or not even come into my mind. We thank you for this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's so many different things that we kind of like stake our identity in, right? Like, Like how many different things. And I think one of the things that we use often is stickers, like you drive around and you see like stickers on people's cars, right? And, and those stickers kind of tell a story of like, okay, I'm not shining in everybody's face there. All right, Tom, I got you a little bit, but I think we're good. So you see stickers and, and all the different stickers really kind of like, okay, this person likes whatever they happen to have up there. So, you know, we got an earth sticker here, you know, so because we can support the, the environment and we can kind of set up our life to to really support the environment and all those different things, and we can build our life around that. Um, maybe running, if we like running. You know, we put like our little running sticker on our car or our mirror to kind of remind us that we want to be healthy and we like to run. Maybe we like travel, uh, you know, and so we got like a, a funny little bus there. Uh, and then different hobbies, right? Like, like we like to kind of say what our hobbies are and... Um, this is from a, a slingshot that I bought that I've used maybe twice. So I wouldn't necessarily call it a hobby, but, but something that I, I kind of, oh, here's another running sticker. Like, we're really into running, so let's make sure we put that up there. Uh, we like the outdoors, right? So, you know, backpacking sticker there. I, I like to collect stickers, but I never put them anywhere. <laughs> Right? And so I'm like, I oh, finally I get to use my stickers. And so uh, 
don't judge, but it's kind of showing some of the things here. Anyways, uh, different things that we can put up. You know, we want to be uh, wild and free, and we want that to be part of our identity. Or um, how many other things, the coolers that we buy, you know, <laughs> right there. And so many things come out uh, with stickers and, and stuff like that. And so we start to, to build our identity or kind of display our identity and the different things um, that we get into in our life. And if we're not careful, this is how we feel, like this is who I am. And I'm putting it on a mirror intentionally here because we'll do this. We'll, we'll literally stand in front of this and say, well, this is what I am. I'm a runner. I like to be outside. I like backpacking. And, you know, the earth's a good thing to be worried about. And the stickers to remind me to recycle and... We, we kind of display or have a sense uh, of our different things, but these aren't the only things that we build our identity on, right? What else do we build our identity on? Um, and I, right at this point, uh, I want to avoid, like, the, the um, Sunday school answers because we'll, we're going to get there in, in the message, but what I'm looking at is um, things like I'm a dad, right? And so I'm going to put that up there. Because we use post-it notes on mirrors too, right? You know, our little motivational things. And so, anything else? Accomplishment? Like, give me an accomplishment. What was that? Promotion. All right. All right, our promotion that we got or we want. You, you know, either way, we can put that up there. Anything else? Versus, we're going to wait for those. That's a great answer, and I'm going to get to that, but I want to wait on things like verses, things from Sunday school, from, you know, uh, Bible class and stuff like that. Like, learning a new language. I got you on that, Donna. We're going we're gonna to wait on that. I, th I think that's a... A good, I'm trying to build on, on this here. So these are, what was that? Politics. I didn't hear it, so I'm not going to. It sounded like a trap, and so I'm just going gonna to stay away from that one. Right? So we have all these different things. Oh, with politics, what we can do Republicans, right? Right? We can do that. Put that up there. Politics, Republican. Oh, if we do Republican, we've got to do Democrat. Put that up there. Um, husband, wife, right? Oh, I like that one. Husband, wife, independent. Okay, sexuality, sure. We can do that. All right, Gen X, yeah. Gen X or Y or Z or whatever it might be. Sexuality is a good one. So you kind of get the idea up here. There's one I want to put in to, to balance out. We got husband and wife. I want to write down single. Because that's another thing, right? Father, yep. 
so we're kind of getting the, the grasp of those things. So, so these are all things that we can take a look at, right, in our life. And, and if we're not careful and we prioritize these things too much, uh, it starts to define us. We, we start to make choices in our life based on these definitions. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm single. I'm married. I, I want a promotion. I got a promotion. Now I can buy something because I got a promotion, right? I, I want to be able to travel or to run or I'm this politics. I'm, I'm with the Democrats and so therefore I champion this or I'm with the Republicans and so therefore I champion that or here is my sexual preference and so therefore my life is based on that. And, and we can start forming an identity around these things and living out of those things. But really they're just kind of labels, Right? They're not truly who we are. But there's another category of things that we also start to add into our identity. And, and these are labels that, you know, all these other things I kind of put on as stickers, right? Because it's like, oh, yeah, we're interested in this. This is something I, I like to base my identity on. Um, but then there's these other things that seem to cover up everything else. Like feeling like we're a failure. Right? What's something else? Fear. Fear is a good one. Anybody want to write one on here? Come on up here. Fear. Regrets. We're looking at a mirror, so how about ugly? I'm st- but that's, people struggle with this, right? You look in the mirror, and, and I don't think it's something to, people struggle with this. Scars, sure. Wise? Lies. Well, that, we're putting up lies here, absolutely. Uh, we have independence on here. Dependence. Um, needy. Alone's good, yeah. Love. There was another one out here that somebody had said. I, I missed it. I forgot to put it up, but it was really good. Yeah? Uh, addiction? Addicted? Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to put that one like... Bondage? Sinful? Right? What? Unsuccessful? Yeah. These are are things that others have said to us or that we say to ourselves that that aren't goals, right? They're they're things that we look at and and wrestle with and, and feel about ourselves when we examine who we are. There's this sense of Oh, man, I just have these regrets in my life because I didn't accomplish X, Y, or Z, right? Or, or maybe, you know, I want to be a really good dad, and, and so I have my little post-it here to remind me to be a really good dad, uh, but I'm failing at it because I'm just not there for my kids. And, and so when we look at things like this, and we base our identity on, on all of these different things. There's such uh, complex 
thing that we put on ourselves. And so then if we sit here and we, we look in this mirror and, and we're kind of in there, but then we're feeling all these different things about ourselves. And, and again, if we're not careful, those types of things, we start to accept or believe that we're failures. And, and so we start to believe that we're going to fail before we try. And if we start that, then we go down a path of like, why even really try? if it's just going to lead to failure, right? But you know what the thing about a mirror is? When you look in a mirror, what is it that you see? You, you see a reflection. So, well, it depends on how you're looking into the mirror. But you're looking at a reflection. What are you looking with? You're looking with your own physical eyes. So as you're looking into a mirror, as you're looking into uh, a reflection, and, and you're seeing yourself, you're doing one of two things typically. You, you're either examining your physical appearance and, you know, got to get that hair in place, or we tend to judge ourselves or appreciate ourselves, right? But it's all just physical, and it's all just temporary. If you look into a mirror, the, the image that you see in a mirror, is it going to be there in five years? Well, there's maybe some more wrinkles, a little bit more gray. Maybe filling out the mirror a little bit more or less, depending on where you're at in life. But it's temporary, and it changes. How do you think God sees us? Do you think it changes? Do you think he sees all of these different things that we tend to put on ourselves? Right, he sees beauty. He sees us as who we are and who he died for us to be. And, and yet what we do is, is we tend to, as humans, try to walk around with all of these different things that we've added on that he never gave us. Or, or we base our sense of accomplishment uh, on the things that we're proud of that really don't matter for all of eternity. And, and you know what the other thing about a mirror is? It's a physical thing, right? And the only way that it stands up is if I choose to support it. Right? Like all of these things, all of these different labels that we put on ourselves whether positive or negative, the, the only way that they actually stand, the only way that they have merit, the only way that they have any weight in our life is if we choose to support it. But what if we take all these things and cast it at the cross? I don't even think it broke. It didn't break. There we go. That's the effect that I wanted. Because they're temporary. And, and they don't matter. They do not define you. They do not determine who you are. But rather, it is Christ. Scripture says this uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. 
Even if we've known Jesus or Christ from a worldly perspective, no longer we know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is a Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Paul is saying here, because of the death of Christ on the cross, his blood poured out in redemption for your sins and through the forgiveness of your sins and his resurrection, you are a completely new creation in Christ Jesus. God no longer looks at you according to all the things that you've accomplished, but he looks at you in the grace and mercy and love and glory of his son, Jesus Christ. Paul says here that we no longer look at anybody else from a worldly perspective. And so it's a challenge to look at one another, our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our family, according to eternity, right? But it also means us. How often do you still look at yourself with a worldly perspective? Because that's what we're looking at when we start to accept labels. When we start to put them up ourselves. Oh, I'm a successful business person. I'm going to live like that. That's us putting a label on that. Or a sense of like, oh, Everything is just so difficult. I never am going to be able to succeed. We can start living out of that as well. And it affects the way that we make choices. It affects the way that we interact with others. And it is something that is not of eternity. It is something that that is simply temporary. And so we need to cast them down. We need to destroy these different things, whether they're positive or they're negative. We cannot allow them to be our identity. Now, yes, I am a son, and I am a husband, and I am a father. But all of those things flow out of my relationship with Jesus Christ. All of those things are submitted to my relationship with Jesus Christ. I have desires. I have preferences. I have temptations. All of those things must be submitted to Jesus Christ and my identity. I don't have the the freedom to pursue and build how I present myself to the world in any way that I choose. Because my life is not my own. It was purchased at a cost on a cross. And so we need to live this way. But but the question is, is, how do we actually practically do this? It's one thing to sit there and say, like, okay, I'm not going to believe in labels anymore. And then we'll walk out of here and, you know, we'll be like, oh, I really like coffee. I'm a coffee person. And I've got a sticker of coffee on my car or my mug. And, you know, right? It's so easy to kind of slip into these things. And so what I want to do this morning is is work through a number of passages that point to that. Uh, And then as we continue on in this series, we we might dive down deeper into some of these. Uh, But the first one I want to take a look at uh, is in Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, Brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Now, now we covered this about two or three weeks ago when we started the series, and in, in what worship was, 
right? Like we say the word worship, we consider it singing songs, you know, turning on 102.5 in our car and singing along, and that's an aspect of worship. But the word literally means to, to bow the knee or to kiss the hand of, of Jesus. And so what this verse is saying is that our whole lives should be a living sacrifice unto God. This is our true worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Choosing to add these labels, choosing to believe these labels is going along with this world. It is going along uh, with this particular age. It's conforming to it. And I think that it's something that was massively accelerated uh, when it came to branding and advertisements. Right? Because could you imagine um, a guy back in the frontier, uh, he's been out in the mountains for you know, three months trapping beaver and whatnot, and he's coming into town, um, and, and he chooses to see himself as an Apple or as an Android guy with his phone. It wouldn't be a thing, right? But it is now. Like, like there's online fights between people over what's better, Apple or Android. As soon as everything started to be marketed, as soon as everything started to be presented in a way that says this is desirable, this is what you should have, this is a status symbol, this is whatever, is when humanity started to say more and more and more, well, I want to have this so that people look at me this way. And I believe that that then slipped into the way that we began to act and shape our identity in the way that we presented ourselves uh, to others. And I'm sure it was a problem before that. But, but I remember being a kid in school uh, back in the 80s and early 90s, and I didn't have uh, Junko jeans or a crisscross jacket. Now, those chuckling know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but clothes, brands meant something. And those are conforming to the idea of this world, but also conforming to the idea of this world is to base our identities on our success, to base our identities on our failures, to base our identities on our sexuality. All of those things are conforming to the world, and we're called as new creations in Christ Jesus to be transformed, to not conform to this age but rather to be transformed. This is literally the opposite of what happened in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were sitting there and they had a choice to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And their choice was driven by this desire of, I, I want to be able to tell. I want to be able to determine what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. And so they took that step in rebellion. What this verse is saying is that we take that step back and we say no longer do we make the choice for ourselves what is right and what is wrong, but rather we submit to our Lord and our identity, the choices that we make, and how we spend our time and our money and other aspects of our life. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires that wage war uh, against the soul. 
Like, like what drives us in our life is so, supposed to be so radically different than the culture around us that we see ourselves as aliens and strangers in this world, as, as temporary sojourners. But again, practically, like we're working into this. And so here our lives need to be different. Uh, practically, First Timothy uh, in chapter 4 says this, have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Might even be saying, have nothing to do with conspiracy theories. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the tra- training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now this passage where it says that the training of the body has limited benefit, the, the word limited is, is, is more accurately described a, a short benefit. Because then it goes on to say uh, it holds promise that Godliness holds promise for present life and also the life to come. And so there is some benefit uh, in physical training, and we can, fi- we, we can tangibly recognize that, right? That, that if we treat our bodies well, we feel better, we're more capable, uh, we're able to resist illness and sickness better, uh, to be able to do things better without being exhausted. We can see that. The choices that we make, there's a tangible, physical result. And what this verse is saying is, is even though you recognize that result, if you ate nothing but, remember that movie Super Size Me? How long did the guy eat McDonald's again? I forget. What was it? One month. So 30 days, right? That's a pretty short period of time. And yet, how drastically did it impact his body and his life? Like, like a huge thing, right? So, so now you, you take that ratio and you're saying, well, for 30 days he made bad choices. And here was the result in his physical life. And what this passage is saying is like, okay, the stuff with your body, it's some benefit. But yet godliness is, is of a massive benefit. It is of eternal benefit. And so then it says, train yourself in godliness. It takes effort. And it takes intentionality. There is um, a half marathon coming up in four weeks. And, And if you haven't been running, if you haven't been training, how, how ridiculous is it for you to be like, all right, I'm going to sign up and do this thing. You might be able to get through 12.1 miles or 13.1 miles, but it's going to be a rough one for you. If we don't train in godliness, what happens when the test or trial comes? When the temptation comes? We might be able to kind of grind through it by the grace of God, but it's going to be rough. It's going to be difficult. But if we make the effort to train ourselves in godliness, there's this sense of preparation, this sense of training, this sense of of getting ready for things. And we just simply do that uh, by spending time in the Word, by by looking at the verses that, that tell us who we are. And it's a choice to ignore those things and a choice to, to recite to ourselves the promises of God. That he sees us and loves us. That we're his beloved, his cherished church, his 
bride, his redeemed, his uh, holy priests, his sons and daughters. These are the things that we have to accept that are true because he's the one telling us that they are true. But it takes effort and practice and repetition to, to hold on to those things and then to walk that way out of them. It takes endurance. We train for godliness. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Uh, we have a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. The first aspect uh, of training for godliness or, or training even for, for physical health, the first thing is just to get rid of the stuff that's in the way. I want to make time to go for a run. I have to clear the schedule in order to go for a run. I want to train myself for godliness. I, I need to clear the schedule. I need to not binge so much television. I need to, to set aside time in order to spend with him and begin this training for godliness. We cast away the things that get in the way. The second thing uh, that we do when we're training for godliness is move towards the goal. So, so we kind of, all right, this is in the way. Let's get this out of the way. And I just need to start taking steps towards whatever it is. We want to train for a half marathon. You start by walking. You just take steps towards that. With this, spiritually, we see in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, and, and here he, inspired by the spirits, connecting running uh, with spiritual things. You know that's just not coming from me. Uh, but verse 24, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Though everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They, they do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one who's beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I, may, I myself will not be disqualified. And so Paul's saying we, we have a goal. The goal is that, that eternity with Christ in heaven. And by his strength, his power, his grace, and his mercy, he's bringing us towards that. But we also need to move in that direction and, and not be choosing all of these other little goals that we can try to get to. In, in video games, there's um, uh, this, this game that you go and there's like the big quest, right? And, and then there's all these like little side quests. Like, oh, somebody's lost their little pet bunny in the dark forest of doom. Um, will you go and pursue that? Or are you heading on to the main quest? Satan loves to bring up all these little side quests for us to try and put all of our energy towards. The little labels and stickers and hopes that we have that are just based on this world that aren't anchored in heaven. Paul's saying we have to make sure that we're running this way. Now, some of these other things are going to be along that path as God provides things, as we're faithful to him. If we're faithful uh, in our jobs unto the Lord, then that promotion might come because we're heading in the direction that the Lord has us to go. But it's completely different from saying, all right, I'm oh, I want to get this. And we step off what he has for us to do. 
So we train for, for godliness by casting off anything that gets in the way. We start moving towards the goal. Uh, the third thing for training, uh, and we find this in the physical and spiritual as well, uh, is we have to be careful about what we bring into ourselves. As I've been looking and doing some study on things, uh, has anybody heard of the gut biome? Okay, we got a few people that know about the gut biome. And so, so essentially what it is is inside your gut, inside your stomach and intestines, uh, there are millions of bacteria and little organisms and, and things that kind of coexist and help with digestion and breaking down nutrients so that your body can benefit from them. And what you eat affects the, the makeup of that gut biome. So, so if your diet is all sugar and junk, inside your gut, all the bacteria that love sugar and junk are, are thriving. And their colonies are like, woo, things are great. And, and the ones that love like broccoli and nutrients and good things are like, we're starving here. Right? The interesting thing is, there's been studies that show uh, that these coexisting organisms that help us with our digestion are also able to send signals to our brain when they're hungry or they want certain nutrients. And, and this is why when you choose to go on a diet and, and you decide to cut out caffeine, you decide to cut out sugar, and you're eating the really good stuff that's like good for your body, you feel terrible. Like, that's what happens when you, when you decide, like, I'm cutting off the sugar. And you're eating the good stuff. Like, you would think, like, I should be feeling great. Because, like, I'm eating all the good stuff that my body's supposed to have. But what's actually happening is all these little organisms and bacteria that, that were thriving and multiplying uh, on sugar and junk... They're all saying now, we're dying. <laughs> and they are. But they're also sending messages to the brain that say, we're dying. Here's a headache because it's so bad. We're dying here. And then like the cravings for sugar, the cravings for certain things all come from those things that are saying, feed us this, feed us this. Do you see how that correlates with us spiritually as well? What we put in, what we bring into our life, the choices that we make affect our flesh and our desires. If we choose to indulge in sin, we choose to indulge in temptation, there is a craving that develops for those things. Even if we know that it is wrong and God does not desire it, and then we choose to be like, all right, cutting that off, I'm not doing that anymore. Choosing to follow Jesus. When we first start walking in that, those temptations can get pretty loud at times. And it's just that sinful flesh crying out, saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. And the truth is, we don't have to. When it comes to the sugar-loving bacteria in the gut, you just ignore it. And that voice gets quieter and quieter and quieter as you continue to feed what you need, what your body actually will grow and be healthy on. 
It's the same thing in the spiritual aspect. We need to start cutting off the things of the world that feed our flesh, the entertainment that helps us to escape. It doesn't even have to be sinful, but if we're using it as an escape from the world, it it is junk food for our souls. We need to start cutting that out and saying, I I need to feast on God's word. I I need to feast on worship. I I need to be bringing in the rich spiritual nutrients that God has so richly provided to me through his grace and his mercy. This is what I need to have. And the more that we begin to walk in this, the quieter that those voices will get. It's not enough just to stop eating junk. We actually have to eat the right stuff. That's how that shift and that transformation happens. And God, by his grace, uh, on the work on the cross, has rescued us, set us free from sin and from addiction, even to spiritual things. He set us free from sin. But we need to make the choice to live out of that identity, out of that truth. And the more that we dabble in these things, the louder those voices get and the easier it is to get distracted. The easier it is to start putting up labels the way that we see ourselves and forming our identity on those things. We also need to begin to just step out and walking in that identity. Now the next step, both in physical and in spiritual, uh, is to do it with others. Because you're not alone. Jesus died on the cross so that you would not be alone. He died to give you brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers spiritually. For us to have this relationship, to to go through it together. Hebrews 10 says this, Let's hold to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. Let's watch out for one another. To provoke uh, love and good works. Don't neglect the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing but rather encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We get to do this together. None of us are perfect in it. But we need each other. It gets messy because none of us are perfect in it. Sometimes we might need help and it feels like nobody's there and we have to have that understanding of where are they at too. We were talking about this on Friday. In fact, it was one of the things that came up at Spirit Led, that that need to be a church for one another. To be there. Uh, we, we say that all the time, is that we want to be a church that walks through life together. But what does that take? First of all, I believe it takes fellowship, and that's what this passage is saying. Be together. Do life together. It's more than just a Sunday morning. Do life together so that you can be engaged with one another, that you can be invested in one another, so that when the difficulties of life come, you're not strangers. And you're connected. I think the second thing is um, that we ask one another, how are you doing? And we really mean it when we ask it. Not just the, the passing cliche thing when you see somebody in the supermarket, hey, how are you doing? I, I need to go get my chicken. <laughs> and we really don't want to know. Let's really want to know when we ask. And that means being willing to sacrifice our time and, and to be there for that person. 
to be able to help and minister to them? Don't ask that question unless you're really willing to be there. And we should be asking that question more. Secondly, if somebody asks you that question, truly answer. Truly answer. Because of all these labels that we've begun to accept and feel regarding pride or shame or whatever else it is, when people ask us how we're doing, if we're relying on these labels, we say, oh, I'm fine, I'm okay. Even though it may not be true. If we want to be a church that ministers to one another, we need to set aside our sense of identity and just look at how God is seeing us. And he loves us and he cares for us. But he also knows when we need help and we need to be ministered to. And we just need to humbly acknowledge that. Because we all need to be ministered to. It's why God built the church together. And that's what we're going to talk about as we go on in this series. I need you to minister to me. And we need to minister to one another. So let's actually say, I'm struggling. This is what I'm struggling with. Could you pray for me? And then let's walk forward together. Not staying in that sense of identity. This is what I'm struggling with. This is who I am. But choosing to walk forward together, leaving beside those labels, leaving them behind, and saying, let's walk towards Christ. And I think that's the fourth thing, is that we have to recognize when it comes to helping out one another that we're not the answer Jesus is. We can't heal. Jesus can. And so all we're called to do as brothers and sisters is to say, here's my arm, here's my shoulder, let's go together. I think one of the best pictures I I had of that was uh, about two years ago, went on a backpacking trip, and I shared this story before, but we're we're going up this hill, uh, and it's probably you know, 400 feet of elevation. It's been a hot day. I literally just fell into a bog. Um, There's like this little plank and I fell off down into like a beaver pond. (laughs) But we're going up this hill. And about halfway up, uh, I just get so dizzy and so weak and so nauseous uh, that I am literally like laying on the side of the trail feeling like I can't move on. That everything is just so hard. I, I'm thinking in my head at that moment, uh, I wonder how much it would cost my insurance to have a helicopter come and pick me up. Because I, 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 at that point, I was 260 pounds. So to think like the people I'm hiking with, for them to like carry me out, wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and we had to go up the hill. So I, they weren't going to roll me up it. I literally was thinking like, if we make this emergency call, like, how many lifetimes is it going to take to pay this off? I, I remember um, other people coming up the trail, people that we didn't know, um, and there was this one couple that was, that was, they were speaking a foreign language, or I was so delirious that they were speaking English and I just didn't know it. But I remember she had bare feet going up this side of the mountain, and I'm like, come on! <laughs> now, eventually I got up. And the only way that I made it up is because Three or four people in the party that I was with came alongside me. One of them took my pack. Uh, another one literally carried the water. And, and every so often, they'd be like, stop, Joshua, drink. 
and then I would drink. Another one was like dumping water down my back. And the third one was saying, okay, we're just going to walk 10 feet to the next shadow. And then we're going to rest where it's a little bit cooler. And step by step, going through that, made it to the top of the hill, was able to sleep, kind of recover, and go on from that. That's the kind of effort that it means and it takes to be in a church. We may find ourselves in situations where it's like, ah, oh, I can't go anymore. But because all of us have set aside our identities and, and instead are saying, I'm in Christ now. And because I'm in Christ, he has equipped me to be here to minister and to help. I'm coming alongside. I can't miraculously cause me to be able to stand up and run up the mountain like a mountain goat. But they were there to say, we're going to help you carry this. We're going to help you to take this step. We're going to help give you some direction. And in that moment, I had to set aside my pride as I'm sitting there like, oh, and they're dumping water on me and I'm trying to get up. And I had to choose to accept their help. All of that says we got to get rid of those labels because those labels prevent us from being able to be humble enough to accept help or being sacrificial enough to offer the help. But yet if we do that, that is a foundation of the beauty of the church as we walk in the identity that God has given to us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Uh, we thank you so much, Lord, uh, for the grace and the mercy that you have given to us. Um, we thank you for the identity that you died to give us. And we ask forgiveness when we choose to rely too much on the labels and the things that we believe about this world that are temporary instead of you. Father, we submit who we are to you. And we thank you that you've already revealed to us within Scripture and by your Holy Spirit how you see us as holy and beloved sons and daughters of the creator of the universe. And then you choose to walk with us through this life to show us what you have for us prepared before the foundation of this world. It's far more than we could ever ask for or deserve but you have lavished it upon us anyways. So Lord, I pray that our eyes of our hearts would be open to the beauty of who we are in you. Not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify what you have done in us. And when things are difficult and hard, let the foundation of our life be our identity in you and the promise that you will complete the work that you have begun in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.